0: I want to highly recommend you get Acquisition Auto Magazine. Every month, Acquisition Auto Magazine brings you tactics for business buying and selling you won't find anywhere else. Learn firsthand from industry leaders who share their success stories, featuring in-depth interviews and stories from leading figures in the business acquisition industry. This multi-platform mobile magazine speaks to acquisition entrepreneurs wherever they are in the journey. And I want you to visit acquisitionaficionado.com today. Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast. Today I'm here with Wes Kaufman. He's a serial acquisition entrepreneur, owner of multiple businesses, and he's actually buying, he's bought some franchises recently, so we're going to chat about that. Let's just jump right in. Thank you for being here today, first of all.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. And let's just kind of jump in where we jump in with everybody. You've been, I was looking at you in the show notes and stuff. It looks like you've been doing this for nearly 20 years, right? You bought your first company a while back. Let's just start there. Your origin story. How did you become an entrepreneur? What was your first purchase like and that type of stuff?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So I bought my first company in 2003. I got out of college, moved around a little bit. Before I got married, about a month before I got married, I moved out here to Lancaster, PA, which is where my wife is from. An interim job, I was actually working construction, for an Amish house framing crew, which was, I learned how to work. I will say that I have never met people that are so excited to get up in the morning and just go work incredibly hard. So it was kind of good for me. I think it was a bit of a growing up period for me. I would have been 22 at the time. So I did that for two or three years after we, after we got married about three years in was, I mean, I'm a a driven person and there was no way, nowhere to go there. Right. I was just a worker and. I think I would have loved construction. I think I could have owned a construction company. I enjoy it. But at the time I was talking to a gentleman that my wife's, my father-in-law went to church with, and he owned a small business, actually a micro business that did camera repair. I was talking to him. I knew he was, he's pretty smart, really intelligent investor in the stock market. And just said, Hey, I want to do something else. I was looking at buying a lawn care company that was for sale in our neighborhood. And he's like, why don't you come check out what I'm doing? I'm looking to get out of this and go do something else. So I went and worked for him for a day or two. I'm kind of a nerd at heart. Lord of the Rings is my favorite everything. I'm technical. (laughs) I like to work on stuff. So I went and did that, agreed to an apprenticeship, worked for him for six months, and then took over that business. What was great is it was a micro business. I mean, when I took over, it was 75 grand a year in revenue. It was tiny. It was just a lifestyle business. But because. The cost of goods was so low and the rent was so cheap. It was a good wage. Bought that, did that for about eight years and just me in a small room and got kind of tired of it, but it taught me everything about accounting and running my books and all that. After that, I bought, we moved to a new location started to grow. I purchased another photo business in our region. We started doing rentals. We started doing printing. I bought another camera store that was going out of business, took that over. And then I bought out a photo printing company that we were sharing a space with. So over those, I think 11 years grew it to about 1.2 million in revenue. And it's still operating. We're about a million right now. It's kind of sits around a million other than other than 2020. And I think we've got eight staff there runs itself. I have two managers that are doing a great job. Hopefully at some point we'll be able to transition and sell it to them. I'd like to kind of move that over to them, but they're not quite ready for it. We actually just, as we were discussing EOS, we just started implementing EOS over there. So I think that's going to be helpful. That's um, cool. For them 2017, I was, so in the photo industry, we do a lot of printing. So fast signs, the franchise was reaching out to photographic people, entrepreneurs, trying to get them to buy franchises because there's a lot of crossover Mm -hmm. Uh, they do co-brand. And so I had looked at launching a brand new franchise, probably 45 minutes north of us in Hershey, PA, decided against it in 2017, the drive from my house, the commute would have been too much. And so just kind of let it die. And then early 2018, the local fast science franchise, I was on biz by cell, which is like what I do for fun is going by sell, as I'm sure many people on this podcast do, and I saw a sign company in Lancaster PA for sale and you can they always try and make them generic. So you can't tell which brand it is, but you can figure it out pretty easily if you do a little digging. So I reached out, looked into it, almost put an offer in somebody else got it under contract. So we kind of walked away, but then that was in January, February that summer. It's just on vacation in May with my wife. And I'm like, we need to reach back out to that guy. I just, I think we need to do it. We reached back out. The deal had fallen through with the other buyer. And by the end of that year, by December, we were owners of fast signs. It was doing about 2.1, 2.2 in revenue. So it was a decent size acquisition, probably about 300 k bit on it, or SDE, I should say, not a bit of, and ran it for 2019 was a huge, a lot of growing pains. The sign industry is, we're essentially a custom manufacturer. Every job different. Processes and systems are really hard to dial in while it was doing well on revenue. It, the systems weren't really there for that particular franchise. And I think a lot of sign franchises struggle with systems because of the custom manufacturing part of it, but we did all right. Had a good 2019, learned a lot. 2020 hit, started out really well and then COVID. So there was a lot of soul searching between March and May, June of that year. And in May of that year, I reached out to a gentleman on the West coast who owns fast signs in Seattle. And at the time he was doing work for Amazon and I said, Hey you want an East coast provider, East coast help? And he says, no, (laughs) (laughs) why would I do that? But uh, we hit it off. I'd known Dan from the photo industry. He had owned photo stores as well. So we had a shared, we had shared trauma is the way I like to put it because of the photo industry is tough. It's really tough. And so we had that and we we kept talking and we ended up buying another wide format print company that I had been looking at here in the Lancaster PA area. They were doing about 1.5 million annual sales, but had a really awesome facility, had the equipment we needed to scale, had a really great staff. So it was kind of, we didn't just buy it for in and of itself, even though they were doing well financially. And then we made the pitch to Amazon and they made us their East coast provider. They only have a few like official signage providers for their new warehouses. Mm -hmm. And so they brought us on board. And so obviously that was huge for us. We went from a combined, 3.5 in revenue to a little over eight the following year. And then, that was 2021, the first year. And then this year we've brought in, there's a FastLine's York, which is about 40 minutes away. That gentleman, John, awesome guy. And I've wanted to partner with him for a while. So he, we merged, not merged the territories, but merged the operations. And we've now moved all of our production operations into a 37,000 square foot production facility here in Lancaster doing the production for York and Lancaster. And they still have a sales office in York, obviously. So probably about 30% growth this year, 35, I think we'll do last year's combined revenue would have been about 10 million. And this year, I think we'll do a little over 13 with a goal of growing that next year significantly. Lots of change. I have an amazing group of people here. We're at 53 employees. They're probably a little change weary. All the mergers, all the growth, it gets tiring, but same time, they're doing a great job and we're continually improving and getting better every day.
0: Cool. And I think if you're just getting into EOS, EOS and some of these other business operating systems out there are, uh, they're critical, I think, crucial, I think I should say, especially in high changing environments, because then you have a uniformity and if you use something like EOS where they just kind of see that and they can go Google it and do their own research and there's free resources for them to do it. It doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like you're doing something odd, right? The right. new guy doesn't yeah. know what he's doing. Crazy
1: system, yeah. It's been good for us as a leadership team. I'm very much the visionary and I'm, I've am i been kind of able to own that a little bit. I think before I just thought I had ADD, um, <laughs> which I probably do. It's not diagnosed, but I probably join the, do. Join the club. <laughs> yeah. They bought me a, a little, I don't know where it is. It's a little squirrel. Is that one's <laughs> a nut out of his mouth. Yeah, that's, I'm a squirrel sometimes, so. But John, my partner is an integrator to his core. And so we're actually in that transition where he's going to be the integrator. I'm going to focus more on the visionary stuff. And I think it'd be really freeing for both of us and it'd be better for the organization. He's learning to, it's been really cool to see, cause I'll come up with some crazy idea and he's like, no, or not now. Right. Just give me a second. Let me fix what we got to do right now. I mean, that's been awesome. Honestly, we have a great relationship and it's, it's cool to have that.
0: Do you think, I mean, the reason a lot of people buy franchises it's because they've already got the exact step by step, everything. Like McDonald's mean, is notorious for being told that cook this for three minutes and 29 seconds, right? They <laughs> flip the burger at 30 seconds or whatever. Not a 31, not 32, right? You put two dashes of salt to grew up. I think it was one of my first jobs. So I flipped burgers for about a few weeks and then I realized that dad paid me more money because I wasn't going to work. I was mad at dad. I wasn't going to work for dad that summer. Yeah. <clears throat> so I went into town. I had my own vehicle. So I went into town and Flip Burger for a couple of weeks, and I called Dad and said, "Hey, I'm sorry, this sucks. I want to go back to work." Painting <laughs> Please
1: take me back. The sign industry is a little unique. Like I was telling you earlier, it's custom manufacturing. Every single job's unique. Every single job needs a custom design. It's not like printing business cards or printing mailers, where you're going to do one design and print a thousand. You might do one design and print one, and that's it, right? So, right. You know, with our larger clients, some of the nationals, Amazon, Walmart, etc., we do much higher volume, but still a lot of it's custom. And so I think like fast signs is an awesome franchise and they definitely give you systems, but I think in some ways it's almost impossible for them to regiment it like a McDonald's or a subway would, because they're literally, I can build you the same sign five different ways, depending on, is it an inside sign, is it an outside sign? Do you want multiple dimensions? Is it flat? Is it, does it need to be lit reflective, like. There's a lot of questions that go into, people say, I want to sign and like, okay, I'm going to ask you 30 questions and then we'll figure out what you actually want. Right. Right. So I think that's, I mean, they do give us the tools and they give us the training, but it's really kind of up to you as the individual franchisee to really dig in and figure out exactly how you're going to do it. And so there's pros and cons to that. Right.
0: I used, uh, with my real estate investment career, <laughs> I use fast signs quite a bit just cuz we have them print the foam board signs, right? They were never the cheapest. It's just like when I ran out, I would have them do it and I could beat their prices hand down online because <clears throat> I think it's this the model that's set up. You guys are set up to do fast and to do one-offs to where a lot of these things online if you don't order in 100 plus, they don't want to they won't deal with you.
1: They don't want to touch it. Yeah. And they often have much more limited like I know some of the big, there's a lot of wholesalers or big online places and they have very much refined, like this is the type of foam core we carry. And whereas I can come in and say, I can make it a million different ways. We're doing, we do a much more like custom design build is really more what we do. Like we're doing a for, they're building a new library here in, in Lancaster and they have this, it's like a honeycomb wall that we're using these take form. It's a, it's like a wooden how do I explain it like a wooden shape that's been pre-made so we're doing that with custom pieces of acrylic that are lit and all this like so it's a much more like yeah if you're just going to print a thousand yard signs i'm not going to be your best price and to be fair i don't really want to be like right. that's not but if you need something really complex or you need crazy turnaround times stuff like that we can generally help out with that
0: pretty sure it's the fast signs that, that the one i use when Tulsa. They could get me like high end, like lost, good looking business cards in 24 to 48 hours. We would go in and like, okay, Hey, we're going to go over to this trade. Like we, somebody would pop up and Hey, I didn't pay. I didn't, I don't have the rest of the money to pay for my, I knew everybody in town. I knew all the, all the other vendors and stuff in town. And somebody would be like, Hey, would you, we'd like half a booth at the home and garden show right. it's tomorrow or it's the next day <laughs> that we would go over there and go, I'm setting up a trade show booth. My budget is X, Y, Z, like a thousand bucks. What can you print for me? You yeah. know, we can do brochures or, you know, business cards. For a while there, I was actually having, I'd have guys walking around these trade shows with big balloons. I've printed somewhere else because Fast Science and Giant Balloons. Yeah, I've
1: never done balloons. <clears throat> That's a different ballgame, yeah.
0: So you've got these signed businesses. You're looking at biz by sell and stuff. Have you ever, like, there's just so much on there. Have you ever taken a look and done a deep dive into something totally? Like, I, I don't know why I'm looking at this, but I think I might buy it. And then you know, I catch myself doing this is the way I'm asking.
1: Yes. Yeah. Too much. In fact, that's probably been the biggest question I'm asking myself right now is where do we want to go with this? Like what's, are we doing a hold core or are we doing a roll up? It's kind of what I have been asking myself and I don't know that I have the answer right now. I think roll up because we're finally, we're building a new ERP right now really getting systemized. Seems silly to not do a roll-up because I'll be able to optimize whatever we buy. At the same time, I think there's probably gonna be a little bit, I'm not sure what it looks like to do a roll-up within a franchise. What do my exit opportunities look like? Is there someone, because I could take this thing and let's say I take it in the next five, 10 years, I buy, I'm at 70, 80, 100 million in revenue, right? Because of what I acquire. Is there someone out there that goes yeah i want to buy that or are they like i want to buy it but not as a franchise so does it hurt my multiple am i better going in another direction manufacturing or something similar and doing a roll up there i don't have the answer right now i'm kind of exploring that
0: i think it definitely and i don't know the answer either but my gut tells me it would limit your pool of buyers you get into those kind of numbers and your pool of buyers are private equity family Mm -hmm. offices and juke buyers and some individuals but Usually it's going to be one of those, investment banker, right. investment bank, private equity, investment bank back private equity, strategic purchases, one of your competitors wanting to buy it out. <clears throat> you build something big enough and you have it run efficiently enough, the corporate franchise might buy it back. It's not uncommon for these big franchises to actually have right. a hybrid model where they they have X number of franchises and X number of franchise owned. The problem is they're going to have some say, some control of who you sell it to. Yeah. And it might cut your multiple down because like they can just say if they want to buy it, it's when Amazon started to, I know some Amazon resellers, people sell their stuff on Amazon. If Amazon decides to enter it into your market, they'll send you a letter. Basically it says, Hey, we're entering your market. We're willing to buy your company for X, Y, Z, or we can compete with you. You don't want to be competing with the guy that cut <laughs> you your check. You do not want to compete with Amazon. Yeah. Like you don't uh, want to compete with the guy cutting your check. You're tied right. up. You're bound in a tough situation. So you could put yourself, I can see where that, if you yeah, got wind that you wanted to sell it and they wanted to acquire the whole thing, and you're like, yeah, I want to hire multiple there. It could be very possible for them to go, yeah, well, we're not going to let you sell it to anybody else.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and they've never done corporate owned stores. That's kind of one of their things. And I think it's like, hey, we don't compete with our franchisees. That's not what we do. And That's cool. Like I get that. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. It'd have to be someone that the EBITDA number is high enough where they're like, we don't really care if it's in a franchise. If we can keep running it, it's a good investment.
0: Family offices probably would be that way. There's a lot of family offices that, especially if you get, to get their attention, you kind of got to be above that $25 million mark. But if you get up there and you can make a significant impact to a family office what they're looking for is deploying their wealth and getting a return on their investment right and you know and, and they're looking at some other stuff like erp environmentally responsible products and companies and that type of stuff being a printing company being owned by fast signs they've probably got that pressure already so they're probably making some of those shifts anyway so
1: yeah we're currently working on that doing some like carbon footprint studies and that sort of thing it's expensive but amazon's asking for that to so move in that direction and all, There's all a- the big guys are going to ask for that
0: yeah. It's just, a, there's pressure. There's yeah. pressure from investors. Anybody, especially Amazon and companies like that are publicly listed. There's just pressure from the community and the market spaces. You know,
1: yeah. Well, that's interesting. That's good insight of the family office. And like I said, I don't have to make the decision now because we're in the midst of merging with, merging with another company that'll significantly increase the revenue. So I got that on my plate, but looking two years down the road, three years down the road, kind of want to figure out where this thing's going.
0: So that's what I was going to ask, you know, like, what's the end goal? Just from looking at the, looking at all this stuff. If you're looking at an exit or you're looking to do something else in five to 10 years, the time to start planning all that is now. It sounds like we've you've been, already got you.
1: We've been discussing like, is that, are we looking for an exit or are we looking for an annuity? Right? It's two different directions. <clears throat> the way we build the leadership team, it's going to be more of an investment now, not running quite as lean to build an annuity versus like cut costs, be as lean as
0: possible. <clears throat> so what is, let's talk a little bit about like. You, you went hold co or roll up roll up to me. They're both the same in the, in the acquisition phase of it. What's right. different is in the way you hold them and the way you do your financials and the way you prep it for exit. Right? So a holding company, you can still acquire two fast signs in every state, in every major city and still be considered a holding co, not a roll up. I think probably
1: the differentiation I'm making is that a hold co for me is I'm looking in other industries versus a roll up. I'm strictly focusing on the signage. Okay. Base. I think that's probably more so. It's probably a little more nuanced. It's are we going to stay in our industry? Or are we going <clears> to <throat> diversify? And then are we going to be holder? Are we going to hold co? Are we going to look for an exit in five years? Right.
0: I like the hold co mentality of who are my suppliers? Like who do I sell to and who do I buy from? And then yeah. basically start owning the food chain. So
1: you're suggesting I buy Amazon,
0: is that what you're saying? Yeah, maybe. Easy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One stock at a time. That's actually interesting you say that though, because I had reached out to a supplier kind of with that intention, like I could buy my supplier and then I'm vertically integrated. We didn't get real far. I was a little nervous about it, to be honest, because it's a different model. And then the people they're supplying are my competitors and is there, what does that look
0: Yeah, it's all blue ocean. You should be fine. The whole trick with that is you just got to manage it as if you're the chairman of the board, right? And manage your own conflicts of interest and stuff so that it stands on its own. It runs on its own. It gives you a fair deal because you own it, but it also doesn't hurt those other guys. You don't get anti-competitive against the other competitors by jacking up the prices for them or anything. Otherwise, you're hurting an asset you bought, and they're going to find somebody else, right? Yeah. The other one is I advise a few people who are thinking about growing through acquisition and like, or they're like, Hey, how do I get to, I have XYZ franchise. I'm trying to open up and a hundred miles away in this other big city near me. How do I get there? And I was like, what do you get? Where do you get your most, the most of your referrals from? Like mm-hmm. who refers the most business to you? And in this case he does air duct cleaning and fixes like dryers and stuff. And it was like mm-hmm. the appliance repair guys. Like, cool. Yeah. Don't buy an air duct cleaning company in a hundred miles away in this big other city, why don't you look around and see who, if anybody's selling their appliance repair shop, because then you have, you have a facility, right? Yeah. The needs for the air duct cleaning business is a truck and the brushes and the, the tools that right. go in the tool truck. Right. The appliance repair companies already have tool trucks. So you just need a different magnet for your damn door. And right. <clears throat> you put two trucks down there and you're open operation and you have a source of leads because, half the time these, dryer repair guys go out there and the whole reason the dryer doesn't work is because the duct's all jammed up and they're not su- suited to to clean that robbery or reinstall right. that properly. So the other thing I would say to you is who gives you most of your referrals? Where does your business come from? Like on a given basis, like who's sending you the most? A lot of times that's the guy you want to consider.
1: Bye. We've thought about that. Like, yeah. The crazy thing for us is when you get into the signage industry, like you don't think about it until you get in it. And then you drive down the street and you're like, oh my word, there's a $5,000 sign. There's a $5,000 sign. Like literally there's a hundred thousand dollars worth of work within 200 feet of me. It's just insane. I'm sometimes amazed that municipalities let us put up as many signs as they do because it's kind of ridiculous. We've thought about, do you buy an entity that has a lot of signage needs? And then on, right, then that entity is your customer and you're just guaranteeing yourself all that work. Because right. they're going to buy it from somewhere. Might as well buy it from me.
0: I'm trying to think of who would be commercial construction or mm-hmm. even like the guys that go out and finish. Like you build a commercial building. Think about it. The guys that go out and finish out the hospitals and stuff. There's signs everywhere in a lot of commercial buildings. The yeah. placards on the doors, the exit, exit thing, directions to exit, yeah. direction placards. And we the do sign- all that. Yeah, no. all,
1: the, all the Braille and the ADA. We, yeah. have a, we actually print our own. We make tons of Braille and we do the takeoffs for the contractors. We do the bid work. Industrial developers, like we're working on one industrial site. It's an obscene amount of signage. Like it's a 2000 acre site. Like the amount of signage that will be there is just crazy. So look at that now. I mean, that's a big fish, but still who's making the recommendations on that stuff. Is it the civil engineers? Who's down the food chain saying, Hey developer, you should get these signs and you should get them here.
0: Right. Now you may not need to buy the construction company. But there's they're all licensing out to the same architect and civil engineer. Right. You might buy a three-person civil engineering company, let them run their thing. You just kind of own it and say, "Hey, whenever you need signs, come over here. We'll probably put us in the plans.
1: See. That I mean, all the architects in the architectural yeah. drawings say, here's where you should get these signs from.' Just yeah. put us in there.
0: So a lot of that's what I was saying, just look, what's your source of food? Like, who are your suppliers? Mm-hmm. And then who refers the most business to you? Like, where's right. your business coming from? That's the first places mm-hmm. you always want to look. Yeah. And then there's also like other logic stuff, like. Are there shops in town or other stuff in town where selling signage or something around that selling signage makes sense? Roll up versus ho- hold co. Yeah. Exit versus hold. So what's the similarities between them? That's the one thing you want to say. Like, if I didn't want to make the decision today and I wanted to run a good company, what would apply to both of them and start there? Like system yeah, I mean, processes, I think right?
1: Lean systems, right? Leadership team in place. Like, I think your multiples go up if the investor says. I don't have to do anything day to day in this business. I buy it and it runs itself. So, I mean, that's what we're focused on right now, even with me moving to the visionary role and my partner taking over the integrator role, we're trying to get to the place where if I'm gone two weeks, it doesn't matter. Like the place just comes along and we're very much getting there, like versus a year ago, I was very involved in the day to day and it's changed drastically. So I, I think we're at, we are executing on all the right things. It's probably just for me more of a question that relates to what's next in terms of acquisitions. Do we stop? Because after this merger, we'll be in the 30 million range in re- annual revenue. So do we then continue? And like I said, trying to get to 60, 70, 80, or do we say, let's just refine this thing and get it really dialed in and then do an ESOP or sell or whatever. I don't think we know 45. I'm not ready to retire by any means. i I think it's a question. Me and my partners have to answer but you chose to exit correct
0: i chose to exit for many reasons <laughs> so i had a real estate investment group and mm-hmm. we were specialized in doing stopping foreclosures and the market got so hot it ate up our like there were not there was just no no available inventory for our strategy okay and i could have switched and shifted but i was kind of burnt out on it wasn't seeing eye to eye with the partner at this point we've been working together for from like in one company or another, we've been working together since like 2007, 2008. It was 2017, around 2017. So he wanted to continue doing, he thought he could ride it out. I wanted to leave. We just, I basically, we owned, we owned a bunch of real estate. We just split up the real estate to where it made more sense. I had an exit. I went on to do some other stuff. I bought, I had taken control of ownership of the local real estate investment association and, realized that with two other partners, realized that everybody wanted to be the, the chief and nobody wanted to be the cook on that. So I quickly <laughs> divested myself of that to the other <laughs> two guys. And that's changed hands like three or four times since then. Oh, and, wow. uh, it's a lot of work to run our big real estate investment association with very little income. The reason I got rid of it is like, I'd already moved to Dallas because I move around a little bit now, I like this digital nomad lifestyle. And so we were in down in Dallas, we were running the club in Tulsa and uh, it just wasn't making... At its best, it would do two to 300000 a year, and there were three of us okay. that owned it. It just oh, yeah. it had no path to make it interesting. It was fun, but uh, good people, but just had no path. I just gave my shares over to one of the other partners who wanted it himself. To, both me and the other, there were three of us. The two of the partners gave our shares to the partner that wanted it. And then as soon as he had it all on his own, he realized he didn't want to do it all on his own. anymore. <laughs> and, now, you know, and now I think he's a minority owner in it, and <clears throat> he's got yeah. somebody else running it. Okay. But I jumped into the acquisition and mergers because I wanted to do something, a bigger game okay. and I bought a pest control company. I still own it. I bought it way too small and made a big mistake. And so it's just myself and a couple tax. techs and I'll never probably get rid of it unless they want to, because they're it's, it's my nepotism company. <laughs> Everybody that works, there's a relative related to me.
1: Everybody needs one of those.
0: Just and it, as we them. grow it, it'll print money, man. The pest control has really good margins. So yeah, as as we acquire other ones in that market, I don't think I'll I don't think I'll do it anywhere else either. You had mentioned, did you do a marketing rollout? We did. I partnered with some guys when I first got. So I told you I didn't know what I was up to. So I went and hired some mentors to teach us. And I say mentors because I did a couple of the different programs that are out there. And the first one I did, I came out of. I'll just say it. It was Jeremy Harbor out of out of Europe. I would say great program, the network and the people are awesome. I meet people from all over the world through it because he, like, he's in Dubai one weekend and then one week he has a yacht and basically teaches from his yacht. He's spot and sold a bunch of different companies, ticking some public and stuff. The information is by like water hose method where like you sign up for the course and he sends you like 40 or 50 videos. like, okay, you probably ought to know how to run a business really well before I teach you what I'm going to teach you. So here's 50 videos to teach you that. <laughs> and then you spend three days with him. We talk about just deal sourcing and how to fund the deal and, you know, how to negotiate it and his way of doing things. And then we have this whole community around sure. doing that. So out of that community, we were meeting every week to try to figure out what we wanted to do with the knowledge we have now. Yeah. And one of us popped off, like we should do a roll up. And another is like, okay, marketing companies. Well, I have a marketing MBA. So we did like, who wants to raise your hand and run this thing? about eight of us raised our hand and i learned a heck of a lesson from it it didn't go bad we actually had i still got the stack of stuff over here somewhere i talked to over 200 plus marketing agencies in less than 200 days we spurred enough interest with the way we were doing this roll-up we were taking minority stake doing a true roll-up where they were getting a higher multiple because of the larger company we were creating Mm -hmm. and it was unique enough and we brought in some really top guns in the industry people had done Top 10 marketing agencies, not once or twice in their careers. I think the biggest thing I learned is that marketing agencies, I was, sh- the things I was shocked about was that marketing agencies still have a hard time getting leads for themselves. The, co- we were in the middle of COVID and most of them were used to trade shows, bumping elbows and knowing people right. taking somebody out to dinner, doing the wine and dine and getting a client. Right. And now that was locked down and done. They were having a rough time finding like sure. how to source leads. The lead generation companies were killing it. I met a few guys that own lead generation companies that are less than two or three years old, running on three, four people, and they were generating seven, eight. One of the guys was doing nine million in three years. He's selling over a million dollars of leads a year to insurance companies. Wow. He, he built out a five or six websites and some local hotspots on different like Google Maps or whatever listings or whatever, and was generating. He was selling a thousand plus calls a week. Or a thousand plus calls a day or something to insurance providers. It was killing it. Like one of the big ones too is like selling them to farmers. He did this in just a few years. We talked to some really interesting guys. And that it's that project's probably still going on. What I'll be straight up what happened is two of the partners realized that we had eight CEOs in the room. <laughs> and everybody wanted to like be the visionary. Nobody wanted to be the integrator. And we were having a yeah. hard time getting stuff done, which yeah. drives me nuts because I'm one of these guys, big visionary. We need to do X, Y, and Z who's up for it. You know, when you, somebody says, okay, I'll take care of that. I'm a guy like buy when, right. You'll do you, yeah. you, you, volunteered for this. I want to put it in a project. I want to see by when, and I don't want to hear about it until it's that day. Cause coming up on the next vision night to get any of them to commit to a date, like date and time was just a nightmare. Right. So when two of the partners said, "Jane, yeah, this isn't working the way we thought it was, we were mad at first, but like, we're going to buy you guys out and we're going to do it on our own after being mad for a few days. I decided that like, was a good idea. Like, let's let them have it. It makes so, sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I learned some very valuable lessons. Number one, I had just finished before I did in the merge. I did a gap in between this was 2017. And I was you're talking about COVID as I took a couple of years off and went down to Dallas and did this thing where it was team development and leadership. We're building highly effective teams. And mm-hmm. everything we did in that marketing roll up was is against everything they taught. us. Like, <laughs> like
1: literally you were teaching it and then you're like, yeah, I'm uh, not going to do that. You, know, it was
0: like, I, you volunteer for the first year and the second year you teach the first year students. So it's a two-year program type of thing. Everything that we did in this program, I was going against in this company we had just created. And it was like, that was bugging me too. It was like, okay, yeah. it's either am I not working this or is it not working And then it just clicks in your head like, I've got eight people who are used to being SVPs or CEOs or better. No, we don't have any integrators here. And I'm still looking for a decent integrator. I think every... I've done the research and I've interviewed 100 plus people over the years, over the last couple of years. Inside of the podcast, I've done nearly... I'll have 100 by the end of the year here. And then just random people that I interview about owning business. I'm the guy that'll sit down beside a coffee shop, right? I sat down at a coffee shop here not too long ago. And the guy was sitting... It was really busy. I said, can I sit here? There's four, t- four chairs. And he was, was wearing a uniform. I was like, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I own a so-and-so business. Pretty soon he's like, you're asking me a lot of questions about my business. I was like, I kind of own a thing about that. And that's just what I do. If it bugs you at any time, stop. But I dig into business models. And what I've realized is there, there's so many similarities, right? He was having a hard time figuring out how to do leads, right? Mm-hmm. He had a hard time finding great employees. So it's like the top three in those marketing agencies were getting good qualified leads. Right. He could close, he's a good sales guy. He could close them when you know who to talk to, but like knowing who right. to talk to and yeah. start getting yeah. conversations started what I call a lead. Finding great employees. So, yeah. and then the, the third one is systems. Like, exactly, I, the third one's a system and process, right?
1: Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's where we're at. And like I some of these guys on Twitter, like, I mean, John Matzner is one of them. He's a big systems guy. And of course, Josh Schultz, I think it is with yeah. GameCast. I look at these guys and I'm like, wow. I mean, it's not me, right? I wish I was like those guys, but I also, man, there's so much power in automation. There's so much power in systems. If we can, I see it, I see it. Like I believe in it. Probably I'm not the guy to build it, but I see it. And that's something we're actually doing here. We just started a quality assurance role as a director level. So it would report directly to the integrator because, you know, we've been given a lot of lip service to SOPs and processes and systems, but we didn't actually give someone authority. And so we're like, okay, so we're not really being honest. We say like, yeah, we think this should happen, but no one has the authority. That's all they do. So we're pretty excited about that seat. And we've identified someone we think could fill it. I'm hoping, cause that's kind of like you mentioned, like not being able to find a good integrator. If there's such a lack of integrators out there, maybe it's like, it's the systems and the automation is what we need to really dig into,
0: right? Well, you know, the because interesting, have amazing
1: systems and automation, not that you don't need an integrator, but maybe they don't have to be so high on that scale of integrator.
0: What I was going to say until I got an ADD Duff and lost my train of thought, <laughs> I have interviewed over a hundred plus business owners. I talked to business owners all the time. And what I've always figured out if they're doing more than seven figures or doing seven figures plus, they have an integrator and I can mm. identify them pretty quickly. So in my real estate things, and I don't say this very often because I don't want to coach anybody anymore, but I had three, maybe four different times where I was coaching NFL players to how to buy and sell real estate, retired Mm -hmm. NFL guys. And I won't say who they are because I respect their privacy and stuff. But one of them was asking about it. We never got to the point where I was consulting him on real estate. That's why we were having conversations. And he had a sales organization who sold solar panels and solar stuff and uh, it was a solar no they did a, it is solar i believe and they did the electrical like where they re they sold you a different electric company because in texas it's
1: oh right We're it's, it's the provider
0: yeah, yeah yeah you can change providers and stuff they would right. change your provider and i think they, they used to or did sell solar too but he had quite a few more than 100 sales reps and he was talking about like i talked about his business model because that's what i love to learn and he's talking about uh, the so anyway, we we're talking about his business and how it grew, and it's like okay, he brought on his his office manager, and she started taking. He realized how organized she was. he started giving him more and more. And the next thing you know, he was single at the time. His office manager became his wife, and now he is a, a, a like chief operation officer. And he went from yeah. talking. And I just identified it right off the bat, just from what she you know, he comes with up with the ideas, she implements them and makes them run smoothly and won't let him implement the next idea until <laughs> this one's running smoothly. And I'm like, you've yeah, got, you got know, an integrator. Yeah, yeah, you got an integrator. He didn't yeah. even know what that was at the time and he didn't need to. But I've been yeah. able to identify that if you're above six or seven figures, i say if you're above seven figures at least, okay. within a few minutes of our me talking about your business structure and who does what in the day-to-day operations, I'll know whether or not you're just naturally an integrator or naturally, or you're a visionary. And the first thing I'll say is who runs your day-to-day operations? Yeah. Who makes sense once you figure out it should be done step one, two, three, who makes sure that it's done step one, two, and three, because it's not you. That's not any, that's not a visionary trait. I hate repetitive tasks.
1: I don't mind working. I actually love the physical aspect of what we do. I, sometimes I just go out and work on the floor. I think it's good culture building, but I enjoy it. But yeah, I couldn't do it all day long in the sense of I'm too, I'm daydreaming too much, I'm thinking about what the next thing is and how we're going to get there. I probably, I cause too much chaos, to be honest, like. (laughs) <laughs> They're like, great, thanks. But in a perfect image, the first store I owned, mm-hmm. they had a little thing on the wall that says days since Wes rearranged the shop, because I'd just be like, this is a mess. And I'd rearrange everything. And it was, it was like one of those work loss days signs. And it was never more than like 15, like that had to be the max it got to was 15.
0: Being the owner of a sign shop could be fun. Cause you could always make fun signs like for like things like that. Right. You could just yeah. walk in. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, or people make fun signs and stick them on your wall. You (laughs) you didn't know about it, which there's... The reason I'm sitting here with the white wall behind me is because the one that's on my other wall. What does it say? It's a quote, but it's got a nice photo of me on it. And I didn't really want it. It's a quote. I think it's from The Office. Would I rather be feared or loved? Easy both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. So, yeah, but... They did it in like a high tech vinyl. So if I take it off, it rips the paint off the wall. So I don't know if it's respect or not, but it's there. So it's uh, it's
0: really I think good. I'd be in trouble if I worked for a sign company because I would always be messing with somebody. Right. And I have a sense of humor that's either loved or hated. Just, <laughs> there's just no in between.
1: It's black or white. There's not any other
0: options. Somebody said that my 15 year anniversary, it was last week or about a week, yeah, and I about two weeks now, around Halloween. So he says like, how do you stay married for for 15 plus years? I was like, we've been together for 19. I yeah. said, she just has an incredible sense of humor because most people couldn't put up with me, right? <laughs> like I say things and do things that I probably shouldn't say. And she just knows it's just my awkward, quirky sense of humor. And uh, just nods her head and shakes her head at me and like, She's
1: uh, like, gotta love I, it or else you'd hate it. You have so, a friend like that. Yeah. He equally offends everybody. I'm like, you can't say that. He's like, yeah, but I say it to everybody. So it's like, yeah, yeah okay. I'm not going to say that.
0: Got to be careful what you say on these shows. You don't want to be canceled before you even make it. So let's talk, everybody, we're, we've been here for almost an hour now. Mm-hmm. How do people get a hold of you? If they want to learn about the sign business or if you, what can I mean, we as an audience do for you?
1: Well, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. My DMs are open. I answer them pretty quickly. Someone actually sent me a sign company for sale last week. So I'm... I, Looked at the SIM this week, signed the NDA. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we'll do, but I'm always looking for acquisitions. I'm looking for any way I can help, honestly. Like we're, we're still growing like crazy. We're focused primarily on national accounts. So if you know somebody that works at a company that's got hundreds of locations across the U.S. that needs rollouts of big, big sign packages, we do site-wide work for Amazon and we'll ship to hundred, 200 sites over the course of a week. Walmart and stuff like that. In terms of the business side, I'll take any referrals you can send me. I also just kind of want to help. Like I'm the type of person that is like, if I can give you advice and I love business, I love the opportunities. I had some guys reach out to me about a possible investment and I'm not gonna, I'm not doing it right now, but I'm super excited about what they're doing. Like if I can assist them in any way, like, absolutely. I want to, I think that's what I love about, and maybe it's just, I'm just finding it, but there's a small business community that you're aware of that's actively helping one another, actively, like encouraging one another and cheering each other on. And like, they're just passionate about doing cool stuff and speaking that same language and I'm excited to be part of it, honestly. Cool. Uh, Like you said earlier, it's a blue ocean. There's so much opportunity. It's like, how can we help one another?
0: Yeah. I like the, I told you I did Jeremy Harbors. I also done Roland Frazier's. I've talked to all the other Carl Allen. I've talked to all the other guys. I haven't done their courses yet, but I probably will. I'm a mm-hmm. course junkie. I'll take them when, <laughs> when I'm doing something that I kind of know what you, each one of their strong points is, if I have an acquisition or something, line it up you kind of like, Hey, I probably should use this strategy. I'll go run through one of their courses and they're usually under 10 grand. So it's not like they're expensive.
1: And you can, it's, it's going to school right? it's continuing education. Yeah.
0: It's Roland Frasers is interesting it's free to do his first little week thing and then you sign up and it's under 10 grand it's like five or six thousand but man there's like two I still haven't made it through all the videos and that was eight months ago there's 200 plus videos in his kajabi wow. library and so when That's I neat. need something a lot of times I just look through the videos there and I was stumbling across the other day and there's like how to run a better podcast I'm like I probably should watch that So <laughs> yeah. I can learn something from that yeah. yeah I'm an eternal learner I've got more college degrees than the average fool should have And so I thought I was going to teach college, but I'll just leave that at that. But uh, I just like to learn. I like to learn. That's why I'm generally intrigued by other people, their business model, how it's working. Mm
1: -hmm. And then
0: I used to, one might work for you. I don't know if they have it where we're at, but you can look around. It's called One Million Cups. And I wish they would do something in the acquisition entrepreneur face that this is, because that's a startup type of thing. But it's ran by the Kaiser Foundation, or it's funded by their, started by the Kaiser Foundation. But what it is... Either one week, one or two weeks out of the month, they get together at some type of coworking space. And then they have one to two startups get up. And the, the rules are, you have to be in business for a year. You have to have some traction. And there's some rules around what, start, what a startup is. They get up and they do a, like a 15 or 20 minute pitch. And then everybody asks them really tough questions for five or 10 minutes to help them move their game forward. So it's in the spirit of, okay, what's your path to profitability? Or like, just like really getting their gears to turn and I absolutely, even when I own the real estate investment group, I absolutely love going to this. And people would ask me, well, you own a real estate investment group. Why are you going to a startup hangout every right. Wednesday? Because a while when they started, it was every Wednesday. And I said, because two things. One, I was doing foreclosures. So I was doom and gloom all the time. remember every client I had was losing their house, crying. They were yeah. inside. It was a very dark kind of industry. It's one of the reasons I didn't want to be in it anymore. The second was, is these entre- so when I got to see these entrepreneurs, they're fired up. Right. and you'd be asking them a tough question like hey have you what how what's your roadmap to profitability or what have you thought about x y and z and then you, as soon as you get done asking you're like i should probably take a look at that with my company <laughs> right yeah what's my roadmap to profitability have you tried cross cross selling and upselling or whatever it is you're talking about and right. you realize that you're giving yourself advice because you know you needed yeah. to do it you just haven't said it out loud and yeah. you'd go back you could go back to the office and implement what other people ask or what you ask so it was just a. It was my wednesday inspiration right because if you're yeah. if everything you do is like like i said everybody that came in we were doing five six hours six houses a week some weeks where we were buying them That's and uh, we we're stopping foreclosures but everybody that talked to us had a horrible story how either they lost their job got sick got some type of life-threatening illness right. something happened in their life and or the banks just moving them bending them over like the banks are doing them wrong and for the longest time the banks knew my name, they hated my guts. Like <laughs> we filed so many complaints with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, a sister of clients doing it, that at some point some of the bigger banks, and I won't say their name on here, but would actually if my name was signed, don't no care if I changed the LLC or whatever, if it was my signature, if it said Ronald Paul Skelton Jr. on it, they would send us a letter saying offer rejected, buyers not qualified. And I would have I'd literally be we'd have accounts worth cash sitting in there. So yeah. we turned them in for that, right? For blacklisting yeah. investors. we got—if you remember some of the CNN stories that these big banks got in trouble for blacklisting investors—I started the turning the wheel on that. I didn't say I called everybody I knew doing what I was doing, and kind of was the instigator. <laughs> that, hey, we should all <laughs> turn, turn these guys in. Yeah. We should all turn them in for listiness. Are you on the list? Are you on the list? And then sure enough, a bunch of us filed a complaint within a week, and then they got popped. So
1: well, it's interesting you talk about like learning. So we, you had said, who's your supplier? Or who's your referral? partnering, but then we got stuck on marketing agencies and funnily enough, marketing agencies have a huge say in the signage in a lot of organizations mm-hmm. cause they, sometimes they outsource it and mark it up and do it themselves mm-hmm. or whatever. So we'd, we've actually thought about my one partner, I think would do a great job running a marketing firm. It's kind of his passion. Mm-hmm. And so we've looked, that was an acquisition we thought about. We haven't dove deep into it at this point. Cause like we're still doing a lot of stuff and merger and all that, but that's one like vertical that we thought of getting into i'm not a marketer so it kind of terrifies me i'm like i don't know i don't know anything about that but
0: if you thought about it like who in town's designing all the logos for these guys like any new startup or uh, so you're looking if you're going for national accounts that's a different thing but if you're looking for like a local, you know if you're just really looking to expand in your local space who's the go-to guy for logo design sign branding further branding because Whoever's making that branding call, it's like, okay, you're gonna need new signage, right? They're the ones that are gonna say, you, you gotta have new letter. who
1: so we work with. Yeah, you're right though. For the national account space, which is really our focus. That's a tough one. Cause you, you're talking about big marketing agencies at that point, they're already huge guys.
0: And it's interesting is there's so many different flavors of marketing agencies. There's things that do like what's called geofencing, and all they do is like target your local area. And all they do is run ads for you. There's ad placement companies, there's branding. There's design, logo design, and creatives. The people that there's agencies that own. I was just talking to a guy who has a multi-million dollar agency in India, and he's wanting to wow. he's wanting to exit out of, and he's got big chocolate brands and other stuff. U.S. based companies that he does their packaging and design and stuff, wow. designing for their design their packaging, labeling, and everything for products they move into India, right? Wow. So just as, as wide as you could think of the like marketing agencies are, are as far as what all they do yeah. they're you that's huge I mean, you know like there's that, so right. many of them that probably would never send a lead to, like the guys doing doing adsense ads or google ads and facebook ads and yes, up pricing them a little yeah. they're not going to see any leads but the guys just developing those brands and doing brand logo designs and yeah
1: brand awareness and all that brand yeah.
0: awareness and stuff like that now those guys probably
1: i was speaking to my director of finance i was telling me about a really cool business out of Chicago, they do, if you watch a soccer game and there's the digital billboard ads, so he sets up those billboards for FIFA, for US soccer, all over the world, he's going to be at the world cup, like all that stuff. But what's crazy about his technology is he actually developed, I'm sure he's patented it, where depending on the feed and the country you're watching it in, it'll show a different ad. Yep. And it's, they use like the color of the LEDs and the frequency of the television cameras to determine which ad shows. And it's amazing. So he can sell like three and four ads on one screen for one broadcast.
0: Brilliant. It's brilliant. That's, that's not something I haven't heard of. That's really cool. Yeah. It's but, really neat. Cool. So let's end with the story. Cause we're at, we're after the hour now. What's the coolest sure. thing you ever made and, and all your sign companies and everything. What's the weirdest, coolest, or story worthy thing that you guys oh, have made?
1: Oh boy. Put me on the spot the coolest thing we've ever made I'm trying to think man so this honeycomb wall we're building right now is really awesome off to get some photos of that it's almost too complex to explain <laughs> honestly they showed me and i was like okay wow that's intense that's pretty crazy
0: i have a actually I have, go ahead. Go ahead. I, go ahead. I have a friend who owns a marketing agency in tulsa oklahoma and his sign is on green wall it's live like and there's it's they put some oh, type of cool. mesh on the wall and it's actually got some type of yeah. their plants growing in it, and but his sign is on this living green That's pretty cool. And he just projects he
1: projects on it or
0: what? He, there's acrylic letters or something that go like they're okay. they stick out yeah. and the plants can grow behind and stuff. But that's uh cool. yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. We just we did a cool electrical sign for an Amazon site that had a like a green wall. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm coming up with blanks. Like there's so much cool stuff we do. Actually, the favorite thing we just did is, and I'll, maybe I'll get you some pictures. My designers, I challenged them to make this really their room. I said, look, this needs to be a showroom. They did this really cool, like under the sea sort of thing, but a little bit cartoonish, like kind of fun. Everything's awesome. And then something. That's really happening now in our signage space is this PET foam. It's a sound absorbing foam. I have see the panels. It's like in office spaces and all that. We can print directly on that. So they took pieces of that foam and they printed like waves. And then we have CNC routers. So we cut them in the shape of a wave. So from the ceiling, it's like waves are crashing down from the ceiling. And this PET foam, it looks really, really cool. That sounds cool yeah they're not quite done they have a divider that's going in the room and there's going to be a big yellow submarine on it
0: and that cool you have that sound you have that sound foam itself when i set up a new studio right now you can see i got the stairs in the background i'm in my tiny home in the middle of the redwood forest but at some point i'll probably pop up another studio yeah and when i do that i'll probably i might reach out to you and say hey there's something cool to go behind me i usually if you see my early shows i always just put weird art behind me like (laughs) <laughs> for a long time, for a long time, there was this monkey or this gorilla that had a headset on. It looked like he was talking yeah. to him. So he'd sit cool. there behind me the whole time on with the headset, like he's listening to the show. Right. But yeah, um, we could I, totally
1: I, do. We could do something like use that phone, but you can cut it in all kinds of dimensions so it actually mm-hmm. comes off the wall, and you could do some really cool stuff with it.
0: I have to do something cool, probably yeah. Yeah, probably by midtime next year. I'll determine right now. We're looking for land that's ours, so we build build a house. We're gonna stay here for a while, so we'll probably build another right? house. Okay. Yeah, it's oh, expensive. But I appreciate oh. having you on here today. Is there hey, any one last, uh, one last thing? If somebody could uh, remember like one or two things from the show today, what would you want them to remember of you?
1: What do they want to remember of me? I think one, like, how can I help reach out to me? I want to be a resource for the community, I think is the biggest thing. And if you have, you know, of an awesome sign company for sale somewhere in the, like the South of the country, Southwest Texas area, Southeast, maybe in California. I'm definitely interested. I think we're going to keep going that way. But yeah, how can I help? I think that's the biggest thing. I want to be a resource for the community. I love to just talk to people about the cool things they're doing and seeing if I can give any ideas.
0: And you're definitely a good role model for acquisition entrepreneurship works, right? That's right. Went right. From camera repair shop to print shop to now on the track to be a 30 plus million dollar, not what you said earlier, you guys will be potentially 30 That's plus the goal, million. yeah. And Hopefully by so. the next year. So yeah. Awesome. That's it, and it's all through acquisitions and mergers and growing. Yeah.
1: I really believe acquisitions. Like I, one of my goals, I want, I believe in entrepreneurship. I believe Mm -hmm. in it, creating wealth for people. And I, I've got a number of amazing employees that I'm like, Hey man, let's get you a business. Let's figure something out. I'll help you. Like I think we're moving away from this, like greed is good mentality. And if we have this op, this idea that we just want to help each other and help each other succeed. Like I'm going to succeed too, right? If that's the way we're focused.
0: It's funny you made that creed is good comment. When I decided to go from real estate to acquisitions and mergers, a buddy of mine, when I was in the military, him and I used to watch that show all the time. I texted him. I texted him. He didn't respond to him. And his wife asked me, It's like, Hey, did you try to reach out to Kyle? I was like, yeah, just give me a message. I said, Blue Anaconda lo- or Blue Whatever Loves Something Steel. I forgot what it was even said, but it was a direct <laughs> quote from that show. And he reached out like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like, I'm moving into acquisition and mergers. He goes, oh no, you're going to be the evil. No, I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this right. <laughs> blue Horseshoe Loves Anaconda Steel was from Jordan. Jordan Belfort. No, no, so. no. That was a different time. What was the show? Wall Street, right? Wasn't Wall Street the uh, acquisitions and mergers shows from the early, ni- late uh, 90s? Yeah. I think I watched that one, but oh, okay. Well, yeah. what would we you say? Greed is good as a quote directly from the, Oh, okay. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. it's just something I heard. Yeah.
1: So yeah, yeah, I just think, I think the world's changing. I think ETA is a massive opportunity for so many people. And I think it, I'm excited about it. I want to help people do it regardless nice. of what that means for me.
0: Well, I appreciate having you here today, man. And we'll call that a show. Great. Thanks, Ron. It's nice meeting hold you. On. All right. Hold on for just a second. Hey, it's your host, Ronald Skelton. I want to thank you personally for watching the show today and invite you to call our new hotline, 918-641-4150. That's 918-641-4150. Call us and tell us about our show. Ask questions, uh, suggest a guest, or even tell me about a business you have for sale and we'll reach back out to you. Again, that number is 918-641-4150. Call our hotline leave us some information. Thank you. I want to announce our new channel partners, the ITX Marketplace. Since 1998, ITX has created five billion in value by selling more than 225 IT businesses in 20 countries. ITX works exclusively with IT-enabled businesses generating between five million and 30 million who are ready to be sold, and M&A to decision makers who are ready to buy.